Good morning, everyone. Come a bit closer. Yes, I'm bringing you the message this morning, and it's a part of a six-volume series on Witnesses to the Resurrection, examining gospel encounters with the risen Christ. So this is the third message in that series leading up to Pentecost. The resurrection is so important to our Christian faith. It's easy to believe in a death on a cross, no matter how cruel that death is. As human beings, we are faced with death, the reality of our own mortality. But resurrection from the dead is much harder to believe. Yet without it, our faith is dead. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is the key to the understanding of our eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's really important for us to focus on it. And today, we're going to explore the encounter of an unexpected kind by an unexpected group of people. We could say at that time in first century Jerusalem, the first witnesses were a group of people that writers of the world would have had the tendency to ignore. Those witnesses are the women. So before we go there, just a little bit of an icebreaker. Have any of you ever been summoned for jury service? Quite a few. Personally, I haven't, actually. But recently, I had two people talk to me about being summoned for jury service, just as I was preparing this message, about the word witnesses, which made me think of a courtroom. So one person is a member of my extended family, and he asked me to pray for him daily. So two of the days, he was not balloted, and the other days, he was challenged, which I didn't know what that mean, meant. I had to Google it, and I later learned it meant that the prosecution or the defence had chosen to uh, you know, remove him prior to the case. But I was really glad, and maybe that was the reason, he has a health issue that brings him to easily fall asleep. In fact, he had to give up driving because he fell asleep and crashed his car into a tree. Since then, I've learnt that jurors can actually be prosecuted for not paying attention and falling asleep, at least in the USA. So please, people, no sleeping today as you are on your benches. I pray that your hearts will burn within and keep you awake, just as it did for the couple on the road when Jesus opened, the risen Jesus opened the scriptures to them. So when sitting in a jury and listening to a witness, I'd like to think that the juror may primarily focus on two, two things or two facets. One is the credibility of the witness themselves, and they also discern the reliability of their testimony. Now, it may seem that these two aspects are very intertwined, but I'd like you to think about this, these two different dimensions. Credibility is about the truthfulness of the witness. The word credibility comes from the Latin credibilis, and we have quite a few words in our vocabulary, like that's incredible, or as in here, credibility. 
It's about a question of trust, and it's mostly in the personhood of the witness. And then we have reliability, on the other hand, which I was happy to look up and read, that it comes from old French. And that means, and it's relier, which has an L-I in the middle, which means link. So relier is, do the events link together? Do they kind of make sense? Does everything connect? So... Let's start looking at who were these women. We ask ourselves the question, are they credible? Are they worthy to be believed? And in the Gospel of Mark in 1540 to 41, we hear about the women at the cross. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. Now listen, they had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. So this is the first time in Mark that we realise that there was a large number of women who followed Jesus from Galilee, aside from the 12 disciples. And here we are at the cross, and all the women can do is watch. But their watching will prove incredibly important in their witness of what happens, not only at the cross, but what happens next. These women were long-term followers of Jesus, and in the Gospel of Luke, back in chapter 8, we had them introduced to ourselves. Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. So she was a woman of standing. Susanna and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. These are extremely faithful, generous women. They were the mainstay financial givers towards Jesus' ministry, and they ranged in backgrounds. Now, Mary Magdalene, there's been much speculation, and I think Howard preached on Mary Magdalene. But some say she could have been the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who lived in Bethany. Maybe. That's one, one, um, one scholarly view. So, a wealthy woman. There was another woman of status, Joanna, the wife of King Herod's business manager. We also can assume that Susanna had means. There were other women, and we hear their names mentioned at the cross, as we said. Some scholars state that Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, is Jesus' aunt. That's why it's James the younger. Salome is the wife of Zebedee, the fisherman, and the mother of the first disciples, James and John. So do you notice how diverse this group is? Important to their credibility is not just themselves as individuals, but the fact that they were a dry, diverse group and they stuck together. In Luke, we hear that it was the women from Galilee who saw everything. So it could have included any of these named women. They saw where the body was laid, in which tomb they prepared spices and went to the tomb. So we're going to come back to our question, were these women credible? Were they worthy to be believed? Well, I looked up some research and found something from a, a pair called McCroskey and Tevin. 
there's something called the three C's of credibility. It starts with competence, it continues with character, and finally, care. It means the degree to which we perceive each of these aspects of a person, their competence, their character, and their care, forms our opinion as to their credibility as a person. But the research of McCroskey and Teven was focused on proving that the dimension of care or goodwill is just as, if not important, than competence and character. And that care is actually measurable. I'm sure you'd agree, someone who's competent, think of a time that you might have been in the hands of somebody competent. Maybe your health, mm-hmm. Or your, uh, the dentist, mm. sorry if there's any dentists here, but someone who is competent and his character, we trust them, but if they have consistently shown care for you, caring consistently, you're going to say, yes, they're worthy of my trust. So let's look at the women witnesses through these three dimensions. I would say that they're highly competent. They supported Jesus financially, so they must have known how to make money or at least manage it very well. They had character. They travelled all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And unfortunately, when the male disciples had disappeared, possibly for their safety, they were completely away from the scene, but we hear in both Luke and Mark that the women stayed. They were faithful and focused, willing to follow Jesus even at the cost of their own safety. They really cared. But I'm actually emphasising their care. They wept for Jesus. They did all they could to honour Jesus by preparing the spices that would have been very expensive for anointing his body. And there was even one woman who cared so much that she anointed Jesus while he was still alive, remember? And in Mark 14, 8, we hear Jesus say, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. So amazingly, according to the opinion of the time, women were not at all considered credible witnesses. Not at all. And Flavius Joseph was a historian of the time of Jesus and several volumes of a book entitled Antiquities of the Jews can be found and even researched up on Google. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this, this historian, but in Book 4, Section 219, we read, But let not the testimony of women be admitted on account of the levity and boldness of their sex. So in the time, definitely women were not considered to even be allowed to be witnesses. Yet the gospel narratives have them as the primary witnesses to the empty tomb. And for me, this completely reinforces the truth of the story. The story is reliable because if it was fiction, the writer would have chosen a much more authoritative and reliable figure for the time to announce this truth. And there was such a range of logical choices. The male disciples themselves, or maybe Nicodemus, the Pharisee, or maybe Joseph of Arimathea, who went and got Jesus' body and laid it in the tomb. Yet the women were there. This persuades me completely of the truth of the story and also the women's credibility. 
Okay, so how does that apply to us today? There's many women here and many men. It is ourselves as Christians who testify to the credibility of the resurrection. As the Spirit of God and of the risen Christ lives in us because of the reality and the truth of the resurrection, the resurrection becomes visible to those around us. All of you incredible women and men of Hope Whangarei are the credible witnesses of the resurrection. Your competence, your character, but mostly your care that you have shown in times past and today underpins the credibility of the power of the risen Jesus to transform lives, your lives, my life. And especially the care, the care for the people of our church and all of the community. And you join with so many other people and women in history. So there's a great project called the Hope Project. I was helping to distribute some of these brochures in Onarahi. And if you don't have a no-junk mail on your letterbox, you would have received one. If you didn't get one, I've got some that I can give you. Um, they are published with the support of all churches, all denominations in New Zealand. And I read an amazing story about Hene Tekiri Karanu, a woman of deep Christian faith. She had amazing competency, spoke te reo English and French. Her character won the trust of chiefs who asked her to help to make written submissions to the government. But it is her care in Christ that is the most well known. In the Battle of Gate Pa near Tauranga, I know this story as I went to the Gate Pa Primary School. It was called Tauranga South at the time. But when hearing a British soldier cry out for help, she ran across open land, risking her life to give water to drink to all the wounded enemy soldiers. I'd like now to look at the reliability of the testimony. Remember, we're talking about credibility in the person, and reliability is about how everything links together. Did the suite of events link together in a trustworthy way? The women were present throughout the entire Passion of Christ. Jesus had been abandoned by his disciples after finding them sleeping in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was arrested, they all fled. But while Peter denied knowing him, the women were able to follow the entire suite of events. It is by the reliable testimony of the women that we actually are able to know what happened. Otherwise, would we know? Jesus was crucified, he died, his body recovered by Joseph of Arimathea, wrapped and placed in a rock tomb. The tomb was then covered by an extremely large stone. I don't know if any of you have read up about this, but the stones that rolled, they found some of those in archaeological digs, and most of them were for wealthy families. Not so wealthy, they also had a stone that looked a bit more like a cork that plugged in. I've seen some pictures of it on the, on the internet. So Joseph of Arimathea was a noble, a very high high person in society, so we can believe that it was one of those rolling tomb stones that, that he used. So it was an extremely large stone. The Sabbath passed, and then the next morning the women went to the tomb. 
Jesus' body was not there. They were greeted by one young man in dazzling clothes, according to Mark's gospel, and two men, according to Luke's gospel. In Mark, the young man tells them Jesus had gone ahead of them to Galilee. In Luke's gospel, the two men remind them of what Jesus already said when he was alive with them in Galilee, that he would be raised to life on the third day. So there are some differences in the two Gospels. But does this impact the reliability of the testimony? I would say not. We hear that the women were terrified at this experience. They were in shock. Perhaps one of them completely zoned out and only heard part of what was said, that Jesus had gone ahead to Galilee while trying to take in the enormity of that truth and that fact, she didn't hear that the man in white also said, hey, and by the way, he told you this already when he was alive. And what about the facts? Was it one man in dazzling white or was it two? Well, we also hear in Luke's account that the women were bowing to the ground. They had their faces to the ground. Perhaps the the dazzling meant one woman only perceived that there was one man And the tomb, while another, depending on the light, saw that there were two. Yes, inconsistencies can call to question the reliability if it's just one witness. But I'd like to point out that sometimes these varied views from varied people actually assist us in painting a reliable picture. So now, is the witness of the woman reliable enough? Does it piece together and flow together in such a way that we will take the leap of faith and believe that there was an empty tomb and that Jesus had risen. What happened on the day more than 2,000 years ago is not only the reliable testimony. It's the way that we piece together how the risen Lord has been present in our own lives, which is the witness that others around us hear. Let's continue to be reliable in our witness through the faithful attentiveness to all the stages and places in our journey journey with the risen Christ. I see that. I see it in all of you and in this photo of the women today and the women in the time of Jesus. So I'm just wondering if some of you know that the first scrolls of the Gospel of Mark ended with a bit of a cliffhanger. We hear that the women are seized with terror and amazement. They run away and tell no one. The women witnesses and the words of the man in white, Jesus has been raised and is going ahead of you to Galilee, would be all that we would have. No sightings of Jesus, no recount of what they experienced. And many scholars agree that this cliffhanger ending of Mark is probably due to part of the scroll being ripped off. And then later editors, which is the longer ending of Mark, were disturbed by this and they filled the gaps either with a shorter version that says that the women did tell them those around Peter and then the longer ending is what we heard today, verses 9 to 20. But it's a recount of other witnesses and added to the Gospel of Mark by the later editors. Includes Mary Magdalene telling the disciples and telling about the sightings of the risen Jesus. But let's observe the reaction of the women in Mark. They do exactly the opposite to what they were commanded at first. 
The women were told not to fear. They ran away terrified. They were told to tell the disciples, at least at the very beginning. We hear Mark says they told no one. And once again, our human character is displayed. And as for the Luke account, we hear that the women did tell the men disciples, but they thought the women were speaking rubbish and did not believe them. Peter had to run and check for himself. Luke had to reassure the readers. The witness of one man was there also to validate the witness of this large group of women. But the men, they just about fell off the cliff. They didn't believe it at first. Okay, so as for us, perhaps we too can be more forgiving of ourselves and others when we stumble in our faith regarding the resurrection. Maybe not all of you, but maybe some. The running of the direct, in the other direction is, of the women is clearly mentioned. The doubt of the disciples is described with crystal clarity. So we can't be surprised if some human beings run in the other direction or are totally in disbelief when we talk to them about the reality for us of the resurrection. The resurrection is something that can induce fear. And maybe even today, some of you are still saying, I struggle with this. It's hard to believe. The women were fearful, and the men thought they were speaking nonsense and rubbish. At first. At first. But the risen Jesus did appear to the women and the disciples, and he does appear to us as well. It's the Spirit of God that works in our hearts to bring us to faith in this truth. And we see also how he turns up, how the risen Jesus turns up in our life. And these are the very words of Jesus from John, Gospel of John. You are my truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the important part for me is this faith and faithfulness and it goes together. God keeps his promises, and we're allowed to keep asking the questions. We can keep reading scripture. We can keep deepening our faith. It's the power of the Spirit engages us firmly in our long-term relationship with God. The resurrection changes everything. Jesus is alive, offers forgiveness so that we can have this new and close relationship with God through him. And thank you to the women witnesses for their faithfulness, of which we can be inspired also to remain faithful. So I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, you are the risen Christ. You are not dead. The grave could not keep you trapped. You are alive and here right now through the power of your spirit, and you were seated in heaven interceding for us. We are grateful for the witnesses and that you chose a group of women, the least expected, to testify that your body was gone. This is your kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last. We're also grateful for the witness that you build up through the people and women of this very church. Lord, help us today to reinforce our faith. If we have strayed from you, pull us back into your arms. Take away our wrongs and sorrows. 
knowing you are alive as our joy. And we can say, Jesus, we dedicate ourselves to you. And if we don't know you at all, or if we don't know you fully, please reveal yourself to us afresh and to everyone here today. Through our faithful, credible and reliable witness, may others know your living salvation and presence in their lives. Amen.